Hello, I'm Sam, and here is uh, Adam, and you're listening to the PM Metal Guide podcast, the third edition of this wonderful beast. Today we're going to be covering the positive effects of COVID-19 on the broader metal community. Yeah, um, which I don't think has been talked about nearly enough as it should have been. Yeah, I agree. At all. Actually, I, w- I was going to send you this, but earlier today I was reading Invisible Oranges, and they just dropped a podcast yeah. today about <laughs> COVID-19 in the metal community. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, what if they cover the same thing? But it was mostly on the negatives, so. Well, that's good. Well, no, it's not good, but it is good for us. Yeah, it's, it's good for that, <laughs> that fresh good. content machine. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about what we listened to this week. It was, a uh, as you touched upon it was sort of a spicy friday we, we got a few oh albums. dude very spicy well very spicy week i can't even say totally a very spicy friday because like we, yeah you're right well near neil cerciaga's mouth dreams came out on like tuesday so the the albums that i have been really really ripping are the surprise um scuff and serpent column albums that came out last uh, oh no! It was last Friday. It was a surprise Friday drop. Yeah, it's always Friday. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, for those unaware, um, Scoff is an Icelandic black metal band who's basically been—I don't want to say critical darlings, but they've been pretty highly reviewed by critics um, in the last few. Yeah, I've definitely seen them mentioned several times on a few sites. Yeah, um, they sort of. They have like they have a I guess traditional album cycle of you know like an album every two years or so something like that. Um, so they dropped their third full length, Scoff Three or Scoff Cubed actually, uh, I believe <laughs> is so the technical. I know is the name of it. Um, but honestly, it's it's pretty good. Um, it's uh, very good. It's a very solid black metal album that came out this year. Um, however, I have to say that. I've been enjoying the Serpent Column release yeah, a lot more. That that album is um, amazing. Serpent Column. Yeah, uh, Serpent Column is a black metal and mathcore group. Um, that I, I just described as avant-garde black metal. Personally, that's what it's listed on on Metalum, and it's. I think it's more Kralisy than like, I don't know, Frontier. I think so too. But at the same time, like, there are definitive breakdowns in this black metal. Um, yeah, that that's it. But it's just a ripping, like, 45 minutes of just eviscerating, like, music. Yeah, I... I it, sometimes it just, it's not even black metal. Like, it just, it becomes this They sort of have swirling. some psych black influence in there. Yeah. I, yeah. I read a column earlier today that described them as America's answer to Death Spell Omega. I see that. I, I totally see that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually, I listened to it uh, for the first time yesterday and I was floored. Like, you know, when you just hear like the first two minutes of an album and you can just tell <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It was one of those moments. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's really something to behold. Like, you can't describe it because it is just such a, a flurry of instrumentation. And, like, the vocals are really gritty, like, horrid screams. Like, definitely not good on the guy's throat. Like, <laughs> the production's like, also pretty interesting. 
It kind yeah. of bounces between having a more modern sheen and then being like super chaotic raw BM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sermon Column's super prolific because I remember playing Mirror and Darkness on my radio show last year and being like, oh, it's pretty cool. But then Endless Detainment also came out earlier this year. Yeah, Endless Detainment came out this year, which is an EP, which is, I think, more mathcore, definitely. Like, songs are way shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, like, songs are like one, two minutes and are just like the grind, I guess, rather than like black metal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, still equally amazing. Um, but enough about Surfing Column. Yeah, we got to <laughs> talk about some phrase. bad black metal. Well, you could talk about bad black metal. So, AMG gave the new Anal Narkthrath, or how... I'm not looking at it right I think now. It's, I, I think it's Nathrak. Alright. I could be wrong. Uh, the new an- Anal, and then N... And Nathrak. Nathrak. <laughs> whatever. I listened to the new album, and oh my god, I could not get through it. It thing is, it's really like intense black metal moments like very mm-hmm. typical black metal a little a little quicker than usual your quilts sure. your tremolo picking your blast beats with hyper modern production and then every song has a clean chorus and it's not like really? it's not like metalcore clean chorus it's like melodic death metal clean chorus and they they just feel <laughs> so shoehorned in wow. so i'm just okay. listening to like a minute and a half of like awesome like very aggressive black metal and then all of a sudden you just get hit like a truck with this ridiculous over the top mm. power metal moment and <laughs> the thing is i was like okay maybe it's just the opening track but no it's every single no, song every in the single album. track and yeah. the thing is all these tracks have like the chorus like four times it's not just like a nice moment right and don't get me wrong chorus focused music's great i love prog but Holy heck, I was not expecting this in my very aggressive modern black metal album. Well, do you think that you could go back to it then and with a different appreciation? Maybe be like, hey, this is what this is, you know? I mean, I'm sure I could, but I don't want to. I just I just don't like music <laughs> that's written like that. And knowing what I, I know about, like, my taste discrepancies, particularly with AMG, it makes so much sense because they love all the, the really showy melodic death metal that I just don't enjoy at all. Yeah, fair enough. So fair uh, enough. I'm never listening to that album again. However, if you really like that <laughs> style, I'm <laughs> good for you. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, we got to talk else? about Sumac. Yeah. Um, that just yeah, got yeeted um, off of Spotify for no reason. Well, no, actually, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, because one of the articles that we were talking about in our news segment is relating to that. Oh, really? <laughs> Yes, so we will we will dive into that. But have you listened to May You Be Held? Yet? Yeah, I listened to it twice. And okay. it was kind of exactly what I expected, but at the same time, like, I'm impressed. I'm impressed, but at the, also at the same time, a little underwhelmed. And the reason I'm a little underwhelmed is because I went back and listened to Love and Shadow just before, like, mm-hmm. or not even before, after. And I was like, whoa. Like, the task exists. Ecstasy of Unbecoming exists. Like, all those songs are, like, like just amazing artistic statements. Uh And while I feel that way with this album, I also feel that it's just them repeating the formula. Which is not a bad thing. I was going to say, 
I think what makes um, Love and Shadow so incredible is they're really able to seamlessly blend all these desperate elements together, and they're able to make the sound sound fully realized, the song sound fully realized. And yeah. with this album, you kind of get the sense that like they're letting like their KG Hino experimentalism influence the core music a little too much. Because I like the weird yeah. droney moments and the weird noisy freeform explosions, but. I think what made Love and Shadows so great is it still felt focused while still doing, or while still yes. incorporating those elements. In this album, some of the songs I feel like don't quite deserve their really long runtime and don't quite deserve these moments of just silence uh, for several minutes. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. I, I agree. Um, I, I, although I actually, I, I really like, um, I really like both of the wicked long form songs in this track, like a lot. Like, yeah. May You Beheld is sick. And Consumed um, and, is also sick. And Consumed is also sick. Like, like we're, we're kind of shit-talking this album, but, like, don't get us wrong. Like, this is still a sick record. Yeah, and, like, I, I can only imagine that it will lend itself to repeat listens because there's just a yeah. lot here. And it really is phenomenal when a band like Sumac just comes onto the scene and then they just kind of grow as they release more and more albums yeah. in a really natural way. And that, that mm. that's definitely what this is. Yeah, but I'll, I'll definitely have to give it a few more listens. My initial impressions were like, it's a little too long form, but at the same time, Sumac Sumac, and they write good music. So, yeah, you can yeah. definitely feel like the chemistry even on this album when they're just jamming or just going into crazy long form instrumental sections. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's still good. Yeah, that it's, is what it's I, very that's solid. what I took away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise. You know what I actually have been kind of ripping, like, a lot? What? Is Frozen Niagara Falls by Prurian. <laughs> oh, we, talked, we talked about Vatican Shadow last week, and I've been ripping Frozen Niagara okay, Falls. Okay, there's a reason the internet metal and noise community loves it. It's a statement. It's amazing. It's really good for what it is. Yes. I've just found that I really cannot enjoy that type of music for longer than, like, a few songs at a time. I get it. I get it. It's all right. I I, I think I'm growing um, a large enjoyment for, like, dance-based. Not dance-based, I shouldn't say that, but rhythmic electronic. And not, like, you know, pure, like, modern dubstep, I guess. But oh, like, come on, dubstep's a bad example. <laughs> Well, no, but even, like, something... Because, you know, like, Burial is dubstep. Like, that is dubstep. But I love Burial because... All right, we're, well, let's, let's not get into the nitty-gritty of, of electronic subgenres because we, we are not out of our end. depth. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, regardless, prurient, cool guy. Cool. Very prolific. Yeah, no, Frozen Niagara Falls that, is an artistic statement, to say the least. Yeah, I know we say that a lot, uh, but, wow, it's a great album. Yeah. Um, and I've also been just ripping the Deftones catalog again in release <laughs> in in hindsight of our uh, our uh, our last episode of our podcast, which you should check out if you haven't already. Yeah, uh, we talk we about reviewed. Ohms, which is a good album. Speaking of Ohms, speaking of Ohms, Ohms is now the second highest metal album on this year's chart on Rate Your Music. Okay, now I gotta whip this out. Where is it? It is it is beating Evald. Currently, it is at number nine of the year. Wow. I mean, it is it is just below Oranzi Pazuzu. 
Checks and out, I also found out. out that there's a new clipping album coming out. Yeah. And it's sort of like a sequel to There Existed an Addiction to Blood. I just saw this literally like five minutes ago, and I'm excited. Yeah, they have like two singles out, and they're amazing. Where, where have I you been? I, dude, no, I literally haven't been here because I, I just saw that. So I'm, a, I'm a very excited for that. I actually, I got yeah. the promo for um for the album in, on the radio, and I actually I have the files on my computer, but I haven't listened to it for no reason. <laughs> you got to take advantage of that, man. That's that's a privilege. Yeah, it really is. Well, I actually I'm gonna get the <laughs> CD for it too. So okay, all I'm right. Excited. I don't know. Clipping awesome band. I'm excited for that. Yes. But uh, last album I want to talk about because I unfortunately didn't get to listen to too much music this week. Because it was a very busy week. But uh, I, I've i unfortunately been listening to a fair amount of Broken Side. Dude, I, I've been meaning to ask. Are you okay? Are you doing well emotionally? <laughs> like, I need to know. <laughs> okay, tell you what, tell you what. Broken Side were ahead of their time. That doesn't mean the music's good, though. Yes. I just, thing is, I've sort of found that, like, I definitely have implicit biases when it comes to what I appreciate in the broader metal and heavy music community. And I want to confront those biases in a way that, like, I can understand why I hold them. And as far as Broken Side and, like, let's say electronic-influenced punk, I I, got to understand the appeal. And for them, I honestly believe it's all intentional. Like, the music's sure. intentionally very trashy. It's intentionally, intentionally super in your face. And the the comparison that, like, all the the quote-unquote woke journalists have been making is that, you know, Broken Side walked so 100 Gex can run. And I yeah. love 100 Gex, one of my favorite artists of recent years. So I, I kind of, I, I had to listen to the to Broken Side to get it. It makes sense. I I, I get it. I would but, not recommend listening to their discography, but they have like one or two bangers. And I think if like if you can understand that the music is sort of intentionally ridiculous, over the top, and in poor taste, mm-hmm. yeah. But you'll, that, you'll that's all I have. Better. I do. Oh, however, I do want to make a statement on a uh, the intro to the Idols video or to the Idols talking point we had last week. <laughs> Just, <laughs> our, so, our first audit. Yeah, just because I, uh, or I think I or you or whatever said we sort of we sort of condemned uh, leftist virtue single, signaling that was present on Idol's record, and at the end of the day, I think me and Adam agree with basically everything Idol stand for. Um, we were just sort of cringing at the lyrics, and I mean, it it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that two very into underground metal college kids are probably left leaning, so. Just saying. <laughs> Very true. Very true. It's not too difficult. Um, yeah. Don't yeah. worry about that. Do you, do you have any um, other albums you'd like to talk about, Adam? Honestly, I don't think so. I do actually... I want to mention one album that's not in my last FM 3x3. Um, and it's a it's a, it's a math core... I know. So much math core. Um, <laughs> it's a math core outfit called Zeit. Zeit? Uh, yes, Zeit. They're an Italian mathcore outfit. Um, and they put out their sophomore album um, a little bit earlier in September. Um, and Is this really It's mathcore? self-titled. Yes, it's really mathcore. Like, if you take the converge parts of mathcore and just make it modern, 
<laughs> like, I, I don't want to call this a modern Jane Doe, because it's not nearly as good as that. But what it is, is it, it has that same feel, right? The, um, do they have breakdowns? Do they have breakdowns, he says. Yes, they have breakdowns. Um, it's pretty cool. It's just math core. It's good math core. So if that tickles your fancy, then check out the new Zite album, I'll... as well as the new Serpent Column. Oh yeah, I'll definitely check them both out. I need more music yeah. to listen to always. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, that's all. That's all I have really. All right, cool. I guess we can move on to our topic of the week. Yeah. So, COVID nineteen. Yikes. Big yikes. That's not very good. That's not very. <laughs> that's cringe. In COVID nineteen is um, immensely cringe. One could say. Yeah, COVID nineteen is pretty cringe, um, and a lot of bad things have happened because of it i.e the death of the live scene um which i don't know we are Bandcamp fiends and a lot of the artists that at least i support on Bandcamp are like very actively being like hey it's Bandcamp friday don't forget to support your (laughs) your favorite artists yeah um and like definitely do that because it's extremely important that your you know your favorite artists stay afloat during this time yeah, I think before well, though, we, we talk yeah. about all the that that sort of school of thought, I think it's important to recognize just like how how this might actually just kill mo- like live music <laughs> as far as rock and metal are concerned. It's definitely a scary time. We've already seen some pretty notable clubs in the New England area close down and all across the country, and it's it's very saddening because unfortunately, metal especially in the 2010s has never been the most profitable venture and obviously live music yeah. is the backbone of that economy and to see so many venues and you know by extension so many bands just have their livelihoods crushed by something that no one can control except for our president who did a very bad job controlling it and it kind of <laughs> hurts wow that's a call out I, i'm just saying no you're you're absolutely right though it, it is extremely extremely disheartening to see um yeah it's it's horrible uh horrible you know here we are we're living we're getting through it but on the other side of that you know what's great about social distancing and isolation (laughs) (laughs) a lot of music can get written in that time very true um, Not just music, I, but so many like I guess novel ventures that a lot of sure. people hadn't really considered before this. I mean, like, without doing too much, you know, plugging of my own ventures in life, you know, like I took up drums in March, you know, as soon as social distancing sort of really started, and I think I've progressed pretty well in a like six month span or whatever. Yeah, you know, I'm no, I'm no, you know, Portnoy or Pert, but, you know, I can maybe hold a tune, maybe hold a beat. Um, oh, I really, I really do think that, like, I, that's something I wanted to touch upon. So many people yeah. have sort of taken this as an opportunity to pick up new instruments or further their own playing. I know I've got, I recorded a bunch and gotten a lot better at guitar in the time. And I know no. one of our good friends has taken up bass guitar uh, since COVID began, and he's become mm-hmm. fairly proficient. And there are just so many people across the country or across the world that have picked up an instrument, and that's really a wonderful yeah. thing to see. Actually, I, I had a figure I wanted to cite 
This is very oh. recent. Uh, Fender actually has sold the most instruments in any year ever, specifically this year. Wow. So I mean, it makes sense. People are just buying instruments, uh, bettering themselves, furthering their hobbies. And I know I purchased a guitar during this time. Like, <laughs> so. yeah. Um, I I think that it's also important to note. Oddly, this isn't necessarily a good thing, but it's also not a bad thing. Um, streaming numbers are through the roof right now. Um, I was I was looking on a Billboard a little somewhat recently and it said that like it just it's it's almost like doubled since you know the whole quarantining started mm -hmm. just on the fact that you know people don't have anything else to do except for sit inside and listen to music so uh, yeah, you know I fully agree at least in that way you know something is being done for artists i don't want to say that too expressively because you know spotify doesn't really pay their artists anything um but it's something oh i fully sure. agree uh, well i think what's kind of interesting is i remember writing about this at the start of the pandemic and that stream numbers are actually a lot down uh towards the beginning but i think mm -hmm. as people sort of acclimated to the environment they've been discovering more yes. art um spending more time uh, listening to music and whatnot and that's definitely cool yeah i think i i do think of that that overall is a good thing um, at least in some way. But what I really want to talk about today is the fact that the artists we already know and love are having, have a ton of time and a ton of reference point to write <laughs> new music from. Yeah, it's, um, it's almost like when all of your music is inspired by the death and despair of the world around you. And we're, we have the worst <laughs> national <laughs> pandemic in modern history. That you, you have some more artistic inspiration and a lot of time to, to build on it. Yeah. And we the weird thing is, is I think this year is a crazy year already for music. But I can't wait to see what happens next year. Yeah, like, all, the, all the bands that wrote entire albums during quarantine. Seriously, yeah. And we've already I seen mean, so many albums just forged in isolation. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Yeah, I... I think that, you know, even people like, I don't know, we love Ms. Moore a lot, and I feel like they're just, they're putting out a new album in a little while that, you know, it's a, it's a collaborative effort, but at the same time, like, I'm pretty sure that spawned from COVID, mm -hmm. which, I don't know, I think's cool. I agree. Um, there's, I played a band on my radio show that is part of the, um... That was on included on the um, Vigor Reconstruct comp, and I actually want to touch on those compilations really quick yeah, uh, of after that. Um, but the this band called Old Nick, okay, is a a Californian based raw black metal and dungeon synth three piece. <laughs> yes, raw black okay. metal and dungeon synth. Right, and this year, okay, they have released six EPs. And two full-length albums. Oy vey. Right? Um, and also, the funniest name of an album I've ever seen in my entire life, by the way. What's the name? Um, well, I'm going to say the whole thing, so prepare yourself. Right, it's I'm, T, I'm here. T, 
N-O-T-A-A-T-P-B-T-Q-A-S-F-A-B-O-O-T-D-O-S-S-T-T-E-V-H-S. Parentheses. The Night of the Ambush and the Pillage by the Queen Anne Styled Furniture, animated by one of the dozen or so spells that the Eastern Vampire has studied. Uh, yeah, I respect it, I guess. <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought it was very humorous. But, like, I think that goes to show, like, a lot can get done with a lot of free time. Totally. Um, you know, they're, you know, sure, these EPs are only 20 or so minutes long each. But that's still a lot of music. And it doesn't take, it's not like you can just churn out a song you know you need to actually take the process and take the time to create music that you know it's not, it's not necessarily has to be exactly what you want but there's still definitely a process that goes into it i fully agree and you gotta respect the hustle i fully agree and i think yeah. uh another really cool aspect about quarantine albums in particular is the artists know they're not going to be touring to support these so they can mm -hmm. take on things that don't need to necessarily fit with their regular sound or they can take on things that won't work in a live setting i think a really good example of this is taylor swift because <laughs> taylor yes. swift released a, like a chamber pop singer songwriter album and that's definitely something she never would have tackled um unless she wasn't going to be touring or promoting it heavily and there are yeah, just I, so I many mean, um things like this I, I think Code you know, Orange doing their uh, their live acoustic albums another example, and I'm sure there are plenty of notable um, exceptions in the underground as well that we're not sure. talking about. I feel like a lot. I mean, I, I definitely agree with that point, and I think that it, it is one thing to have you know Taylor Swift come out with that, and you know I'm not I'm not a, a Swift fan or like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, what you, do you call mean, you. I don't know what the not. I don't know what the Swifters call themselves. They're called Swifties. Swifties. Yes. Okay. Well, for Swifties, you know they'll probably hear one of those songs on tour, maybe, right? Yeah. Sure. And like, like a three yeah, hour long like, set list. Yeah, of Taylor Swift jumping up and down on stage, but <laughs> that, whoa, Adam, what are you trying to say? I don't know, um, but what I am trying to say here is that I don't know. Maybe they, they are experimenting, but who knows? Maybe they will bring it into a live setting. You know, maybe we will see a, a Bell Witch and Aerial Ruin collaborative tour. Or a Mare Cognitum and Spectral Lore tour. <laughs> I mean, who knows? That'd be pretty cool. I would be very cool. I'd appreciate that very much. <laughs> I would too. Because, like, I don't know. I feel like if you assemble enough of a people and you're working with enough talent you can you can bring that stuff to the stage in a very inventive way and obviously people are going to flock to these shows as soon as they reopen mm -hmm. you know like i'm going to a concert it's like going to be the first thing i do I, I as soon as i can yeah in 2024 i'm going to go to a ton of concerts i'm really excited <laughs> yeah me too um but i feel like at that point the artists are going to have so much time for preparation and maybe things that they want to do that they're going to at least want to try live in a live setting because mm -hmm. they're going to need to bring back with something big 
and I was I was reading um, an interview with actually one of the Between the Bear and Me members, and they mentioned like that they have like an eighteen month touring cycle and it hasn't stopped for twenty five years or yeah. twenty years or whatever. And that's crazy. They obviously they love being on the road, but it's nice to take a break every now and, and again. It definitely makes you reevaluate um, where your career is going, what music you want to produce, and how you want sure. to tackle the future. Yeah. I mean, the Between the Buried and Me guys are a great example because, you know, how many times have they played, like, some of those songs live? Well, yeah, Selkies. Yeah, how many times has they, have they played Selkies live? And maybe, you know, who knows? They could remake Selkies. They could re-record Selkies to be something interesting that they want <laughs> to play. I don't know. That could be something that they do. But now is the time for experimentation more than ever. And Thank I think you. that that is going to come out as soon as live shows come back because you know we are going to see innovation in that i, I feel like um, i think uh we should also touch upon all the compilations that have dropped cause... yeah i was i was just about to say so uh, for those of you who may not know there's been two very notable compilations that have dropped in recent memory in the last month or so as well as like a million smaller splits and cover albums oh yeah of course um but there was a the the shut it down compilation um which was in support of the uh, movement for black lives which came out in september which just got some huge names on it by the way sun on it it is sun on it it is minority threat it's got it's got primitive man it's got Jesus Peace, wow. Misery Signals. Like, that's a, those are big groups, you know? And mm-hmm. it's good that they're, you know, even putting their stuff out there. I mean, a lot of those big groups have just been releasing stuff or putting on stuff from their new albums. Like, I know that the Misery, like Misery Signal, um, Vile Creature, um, there are a few more that, you know, put out stuff that wasn't, or that was already released by them on another thing this year just to show their support um, mm-hmm. and all that. But there is also a ton of new music, like the brand new Primitive Man instrumental track, which is sick. Yeah, that's like one of the best Primitive Man tracks ever. No, oh, right? Or the, the new like, Amygdala song. Oh, my God. Yeah, like that is – these tracks are awesome. Um, and you have to you have to guess that these aren't just unreleased tracks. Like, at least for me, I don't know how the back end works of the whole touring musician cycle and being signed on a label and all that. But I don't think that a lot of these tracks were, you know, just sitting in a folder somewhere waiting to be put on an album. No, I think that a lot of these were recorded for the purpose of being on this album. And and the same goes for the Vigor Reconstruct compilation, um, which is for uh, the benefit for the guy that runs the Vigor Deconstruct label, um, whose you know father had some heart uh, issues and they have to pay a massive medical bill. So a bunch of black metal bands from around the world were like, hey, you basically progressed our career, so we're going to do this for you. Wow, here's 35 songs of unreleased and cover black metal. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think all these compilations are definitely going to good causes. It's it's sort of cool to see like a brigade of underground metal musicians rise up to fight both social injustice and like just general malaise in the face of such a a rough global pandemic. Yeah. 
And I also think it's important that a lot of these bands are getting the love now that they deserve. I mean, like, sure you have on this Vigor Deconstruct comp, or Reconstruct comp, you have, you have Esoteric, you have... And while I wouldn't call... Okay, someone, now i got to look like at Mer- the t- track list for this. Yeah. While I wouldn't call some... Like, while I wouldn't call Mayor Cognitum and um, Spectral Lore and Panopticon, like, big... They're pretty you know, big. They're pretty, like, they're pretty big. And so, seeing an artist like, I don't know, like, Despondent Moon, who's dropped, like, their second album, like, earlier this uh, this year, which is super good lo-fi black metal, by the way. But, like, no one's been reporting on that. And now that they're on this huge compilation, and I think that's great. I agree. Yeah, it's not only an opportunity for the larger names to... Uh, maintain their success but for smaller artists who also make great work to get showcased in a way that they wouldn't otherwise be yeah um and i i don't know if something like this would be even put out there without you know the economic trouble that everyone is going through at this time mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's just interesting to i guess see it play out yeah and like very good comp by the way y- y- Both i've them. listened to them, them both only once or twice, but they're immensely solid. And I think yeah. you mentioned earlier, like Bandcamp Fridays, that's been such a wonderful tool to um, point commerce directly in the direction, directly in the direction. That's funny. Directly of the, the artists yeah. themselves, uh, instead of uh, purchasing an album through a label or purchasing it uh, through Amazon, a lot of these people are buying directly from the artists on Bandcamp on Fridays, where all the profits go to the artists, and that's a really cool thing. I know. Yeah for our our incredible musical ventures we've seen some benefits for that and i know i can only imagine how live uh, how living musicians and people that do this full-time yeah uh, benefit from it yeah uh it's really nice to see that people do actually care like the Bandcamp team like they care they like they're they're happy that you know well not they're not happy they're understanding that you know, independent musicians use their platform religiously and they need to be cognizant of that or they're not going to get any business in the future. Because, you know, I have... Because I don't know if any one of you have heard, but you probably heard that the Spotify CEO, like, two months ago... (laughs) (laughs) Just work harder, Lamau. Was just like, yeah, just work harder, make more music. And that is such a horrible stance to have. I know. Like, especially now. Now more than ever. It is just a horrible, horrible... Oh, I agree. It actively, like, spits in the face of artistic integrity. Literally. And and not even... Like, sure, metal does not get the love on Spotify that it probably deserves. But any genre, too. Even someone like... I don't know, like... Kendrick Lamar is a massively popular artist, but he hasn't put out an album in almost three years now. It's been more right? than three, three years, years, actually. Three years, yeah, more than three years. And, like, the Daniel Eck is saying that to Kendrick Lamar. Just make more music. You're not getting as many streams as Cardi B. She's put out WAP and look at her. Look at her <laughs> go. You know? She's making all this money. So, and, like... I don't know. I feel like Kendrick is pretty beloved in not only the critical, but also the mainstream scene. And, like, it's just... It's closed-minded, it's so to say shocking. the least. It's, it's so shocking. And for, you know, 
gosh, I said it. <laughs> and for Sp- the Spotify, uh, you know, the fact that it gives like a, a quarter of a cent for every stream is really telling. I think yeah. it's, it's like 10,000 streams for a dollar. Something actually absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And the fact that this company is just taking all of the money that would go towards the artists and, you know, pr- probably funneling directly to the highest payers. It feels extra bad. Right. And especially in a genre like metal where it's album oriented and even bigger names release album every five, six years sometimes because they're yeah. really meant to be statements and they're really meant to encapsulate a lot of different things. And mm-hmm. It's closed minded. It's not a very, it's not very cool. No, it's not cool. Um, I am fortunate, however, that, you know, people have taken steps to be like, basically, you know, fuck you, Spotify. Like, I don't want to jump the gun here, but that's basically what Sumac did. Yeah, I was just reading the article. Yeah. So, Sumac, new album, May You Be Held, just came out, um, have taken down their album from Spotify uh, because it was not actually intended to be on Spotify. It was intended to just be on, I believe, Bandcamp. Um, the single Iron Chair is on Spotify, and we'll stay there. Um, but... It's also yeah, it it's makes actually, a lot of it's sense. on Tidal and Deezer and iTunes, just specifically not Spotify. Well, it makes total sense, too, because those platforms pay, like, double, at least, of amount of streams. Yeah. Um, I know that's why um, Phil Elvrum released his album only on Bandcamp, too. In this year, the new Microphones album is only on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Or on non-Spotify <laughs> streaming services. Because, you know, he wants to... He needs to make money. He is he is a musician. He's a live musician. He's a musician. He's a full-time musician. Yeah, now more than ever. You need to monetize what you do. Yeah. And I, I actually very recently did a report on why... Um, Live concerts are, and live music in general is just such a necessity for a lot of people. Um, and, like, what I didn't know about this until, like, yesterday or whatever, 86% of musicians have a second job. Wow. Do you know that? 86. <laughs> it's and almost that's... like this is not a sustainable <laughs> industry or job market. Is that America that is... specifically? Yes, that is America okay, specifically. Gotcha. Because I imagine yep. if you're if you're bulling in the Scandinavian countries, it's probably easier. To... Probably, um, but yeah, no. That in that what I also what else this is, yeah. This is from like a few years ago or whatever, like a 2017 poll or whatever. But um, that's more than like double of any other artistic career. Any. Yep. Sounds about right. Like. That that's stunning to me. Well, for a long, long time, the music industry wasn't actually profitable, and only with the rise of CDs and now the rise of streaming is it profitable. But I don't even know if it's profitable. Well, it's profitable as a whole, but it it doesn't directly pay the the labor force in this case. No, of course not. Because that's just how the system works. Yeah, and that's really a shame, um, because. They deserve it. I mean, I don't know. You like like how often do you listen to music? And like how much do you how much money do you think you're giving to an artist whenever you listen to their music? Like how much would you pay? You know? Yeah, that's a, there's a reason Bandcamp exists. No, there's a reason Bandcamp exists. Like it, I I it feels bad to me that I have to like that I choose to use streaming services 
And it's a shame that, like, CDs are so expensive. Because, I don't know, if I could, I would buy... I would buy everything on CD. Yeah, you gotta support the Just, underground. Yeah, you gotta support the underground. And it's 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 really disheartening to know that people are just going through this right now. It's just it's Very really disheartening. hard. I, I can only imagine if this was my full time livelihood and I toured <laughs> for three hundred twenty days a year and then I find out that oh, through the fault of no one but, you know, a higher power if there is one, I just right. can't do this anymore and I'm gonna have to struggle for a long, long time. Yeah. But on that note, I do want to talk about you know the rise <laughs> of live streaming and uh, filmed live shows and uh, produce video content during COVID because I think Please, that's by, a wonderful by all topic. Means. Yeah, go for so, it. I think right at the start when we went into full quarantine, Code Orange were planning an amazing tour for their new album. Yeah, which is a pretty good album. <laughs> we, I'm it's sure we have, yeah. I'm sure we have some nice thoughts on that, but Code Orange sure. uh, sort of kicked off the whole live streaming concerts fad, and since then, yeah. not only have we seen a bunch of bands directly live streaming their performances, we've seen a bunch of bands filming their performances, editing them, producing very high quality content mm -hmm. based on that. We've also seen a lot of artists diversifying and doing things like live streams. I know a notable example for that would be like Heavy Devi. Yeah. Toward, he's done a bunch of uh, live streams directly for charity and for other uh, friends of his and they're really cool and it's, it's cool to see people work within their means and make things work and so many popular uh, musicians have started streaming on Twitch regularly, have started YouTube channels, I think the funniest example who I watch actually is Telok from Mayhem like the most true black metal thing you can do during quarantine is to start a YouTube channel where you vlog and play guitar. I guess so. Like, yeah. I think that's hysterical, but it's it's cool. And not only have we seen that, but we've just seen a lot of, um, I guess, willingness to persevere through these times. And I know as a fan who really wants to go to shows, some of these live streams are really cool and really nice opportunities to showcase your favorite artists in their natural environment. I think we both we yeah. both watched the BT Bam live streams, the um, mm -hmm. the Aranzi Pazuzu live stream. That was awesome. I'm really excited for the Deer Hunter live stream in like a week. Yeah. So there are just a lot of opportunities to stay involved with bands you like, to support them directly, and uh, I guess to experience a, a whole new wealth of content that wouldn't be produced otherwise. And I think that's a valuable thing. And I think that's one of the few benefits that will continue to um, help artists as we eventually move out of uh, whatever this is yeah do you think that once eventually once you know a vaccine is hopefully developed and you know we're back on the ground do you think that live stream concerts will persist uh yeah i think it's a really uh, helpful way to supplement um income when you're not touring because sure even if you yeah. if it doesn't make as much money uh, if you just do a few live streams and you, you really publicize it and you do something cool like an album uh, playing event or like a covers live stream or like what an, another example, like what Code Orange did with uh, their Beneath the Skin. They sure. they made it a big spectacle. They did an acoustic set and a cover set. They filmed the whole thing with really high budget and then they put it out as an album. That's that's right. a really smart business move and it's it's uniquely taking, uh, uh, taking advantage of this pretty troubling uh, time and i think stuff like that's really helpful 
And I think if a band wants to use that to supplement their regular touring cycle once things go back to normal, it, it'd be a great option. Sure. Makes sense, though. I get that. I will say, though, I'm not... I'm, I haven't looked at any of the numbers as far as bands that have been selling tickets for virtual tours. I know Suicide Silence did something for this, and I was interested to see how that turned out, but I couldn't find any data on it. Well, that's... See, I... That's interesting to me, because... On the one hand, I totally understand why you want to pay for you want to charge for a ticket to your live stream. There's a lot that goes into it. There, you know, you do need some sort of operating capital to start that up and begin that process and do it. But like at the same time, I don't know if this is a personal thing about being stickly with money, but like the Aronzi Pazuzu stream was free. You know, I bought a t a forty dollar t shirt that directly went to support the band, but I was very hesitant to buy like a ten dollar ticket to the Leprous live stream that happened like a month later or mm. whatever. All right, no, How do I you totally feel understand. about that? Well, I I think I think it's tough because on one end, obviously, a band has to make money. We've been talking about it, and on the other end, like we as a consumer enjoy certain privileges. And I think it's important right. to, like, recognize where you, you stand on that matter and recognize where the artists need to stand on that matter. Because I think in most of these cases, it's the it's the label's decision rather, or the manager's decision rather than artist's oh, decision. Oh, yeah, sir. Because nine times out of ten, an artist would like easier access <laughs> to their art. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, personally, I feel like as, as an artist, I'd just make it free. And I think the way to go is make it free, make it available afterwards, and then just heavily advertise. Like, please donate, or donate if you want to, or sell exclusive merch for the event. I think, right. overall, that's the way I'd prefer, but I understand that people have needs. And if certain demographics are more likely to purchase tickets, then by all means, uh, exploit that market. Right. I think uh, yeah. also Enslaved has been, is doing a virtual tour right now for their new album. Oh yeah, yeah. I just found that out. I didn't know that. And I'm—I don't know. Might have I, to finally listen to Enslaved. Yeah, right. It's interesting though. It's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Well, I don't know. We've had a pretty good conversation about this. Yeah, I mean, pretty long. To, to summarize, it makes people more productive. Definitely, art artists. It allows them to explore opportunities they wouldn't otherwise. And it, it's definitely led to an, an uptick in video live streams and video concerts. Oh, also, I'd, we do ought to mention stuff like um, Two Minutes to Late Night. Their cover series is super awesome. <laughs> yes. And I think that, actually, one more final point. I think the door for collaboration, which we kind of touched on earlier, is way more accessible now. Because people are, like, in with the um i guess remote sort of recording yeah totally right? totally because like uh like you said the i don't remember the name of the pod the the series um the 10 minutes to late night or whatever but like that's all remote and those songs sound immaculate yeah like we have the means to do it and we've had the means for a while but i guess it wasn't seen as viable because metal's typically an older demographic but it's cool right. to know that, you know, in the future, rather than renting studio space 
and everyone traveling to the same city to record things, we can just plug it into a DAW and then send it to a professional mixer, and right. people can be a lot more productive that way. Absolutely. I think, I think sort of the close off, that's a really good point that we should have addressed, or should address, I guess. Yeah. Overall. No, I, definitely, definitely. Well, I know yeah. a, a news story that's been been in the back of my mind all week. I'm sure I'm sure you want to know. Uh, I do. Fear Factory issues statement on departure <laughs> of vocalist Burton C. Bell. All right. Well, I'm glad that we have an official Fear Factory segment here on your on PF Metal Guide podcast. Oh my god. What happened? What is what is the official statement? Sam, please enlighten me. Um, it's it's just like a kind of long it's just kind of kind of long Instagram post or, or Facebook post. Um, it's it's very wishy-washy and like you can tell that I, I assume it's Dino that wrote this. You can tell that he just hates the vocals at this point. And he is pissed <laughs> off at him. And there's a lot of like passive aggressive signaling here. And then sure. he mentions the GoFundMe and the fact that he fought for the name for years. And then uh-huh. it's just kind of like ow. I don't know. I, I guess I feel bad for the fans because this is just super messy. But at the yeah. same time, if you still like Fear Factory in 2020, like, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Uh, I'm sorry, that Dino. Is a, that's, a, that's a great story. I'm glad that you brought that up. I needed to know how Fear Factory was Next doing. week, it's going to be like, Fear Factory vocalist rejoins the band. <laughs> we got a we got a message Corey Taylor and ask him what he thinks about this one. Honestly, dude. Actually, what, he dude, dropped a new album. I have not listened to It's called have you? Corey Motherfucking Taylor. I have insider info that it is atrocious and never should have been released. I can imagine. I'm looking at the uh the cover art. Um and I'm cringing hard. All right, now I have to look at. Oh gosh, I'm just looking at that profile pic on spot. Oh gosh, it really is. Is that a wrestling belt? It is a wrestling belt. It is a bedazzled wrestling belt, no less. Okay, Corey, I love you, dude. You're a great vocalist, and you're pretty cool. But like, come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. Like, who is this marketed towards? No, dude. It's 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 the it's the Slipknot boomers. And I know that's hard to that's like weird to say, but that's who it that's who it is. You're probably like right. it's the it's the it's the fifty year old guy that's been going to the Slipknot concerts that like was like, dude, you know what? I actually wish this was a Stone Sour show. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't say I've ever listened to Stone Sour ever. So, well, don't. <laughs> Apparently, their twenty twelve gonna... album's good. I don't know. Yeah, I've I think we just gotta impressed. recognize that it's not marketed towards us. We're not the intended no, far audience. Far from it. Uh, no, if you like Five Finger Death Punch, you might like the new Corey Taylor album. That's what I'll say. Oh god, I gotta go peek. I'll be right back. <laughs> um, and I'm sure you have some actual good stories, but I gotta get this dumpster fire out of my system. I don't know if you've seen the brand new Jared Dines collaboration, Gent. <laughs> I was 2020. gonna mention it if you didn't. <laughs> Oy vey. Yeah, oy vey. Uh, uh, well, I guess gent, gent musicians need to make money during this time somehow, too. Right. Is gent dead? Uh, Is it, was, was this the final nail in the coffin? 
Look, Jens had a good 10 years, okay? It might be time. It might be time. I feel like it left its mark, though. Like, definitely. It did. Oh, it did. I feel like every modern band is influenced by Jens somehow. All right, well, hold on. That's a podcast topic. We Let's save that. Right, that, that is a great cod- podcast topic, though. Yeah, yeah well, let's put that in the bank and uh, and hold on to it for a little while. Um, insert well, for me, gent, 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 gent. Yeah, insert gent. Um, for me, for news stories, I have a few. One of them was the Sumac one um, about them basically saying "fuck you" to Spotify. So good, good on yeah, them. Good on Aaron Turner and the boys. Yeah, good on them for doing that. Um, another one uh, is that the new Greg Pucciato album came out three um, weeks early. Came out three weeks early. Uh, is good? I don't know. I haven't listened to it. I just found out today that it came out three weeks early. Do you know why it came out three weeks early? I could honestly not tell you. I know. Okay. So the reason um, it happened is uh, basically a reviewer leaked his album. Oh, dang. Yeah, a reviewer leaked his album like three weeks early. And so he released it three weeks early. Um, and basically, he made a bunch of posts being like, hey, fuck you to this guy. I'm an independent artist. Like, that's actually, like, the shittiest thing you can do. Wow, that, that um, sucks. I guess you do have to get under the ball, though. He, yeah. So he, he, he took it upon himself to, um, you know, officially make his album out, Child Soldier. Uh, uh, or it's uh, Child's wait it's what is it called it has a Child Soldier name. Creator of God um, it is out on Bandcamp it is not on Spotify uh, yet but it is on Bandcamp I'm sure so it's definitely check it out the singles I'm excited good. yeah I'm excited for it I'm gonna I'm, I'll probably listen to it tonight well maybe not tonight but we'll find out we'll find a time it might come up in the next what have we been listening to <laughs> next week there's definitely a good chance yeah, Child um, and then yeah, uh. and then finally, Donald Trump caught COVID nineteen. But that's not my story. That's my a, story, a story, but my story is all of the <laughs> metal bands reaching out on Twitter to say something about the situation. Give me some. Um, give me some good. Some good highlights, because I haven't seen so, any Metal World takes. Okay, so uh, Mark Morton, who is the guitarist of Lamb of God, tweeted out this funny and relatable tweet. My mom just called me and told me not to say anything shitty on Twitter about Trump having COVID. Mom, I would never do such a thing. Heart, fuck COVID. Thank you, Wow, thanks. Mark Morton. Ha ha. Um, okay, he has really good signature pickups, actually. <laughs> um, Jinx of Black Veil Brides fame tweeted out, Karma's a bitch in re- <laughs> as a reply to the president's official Twitter announcement uh, of his um, illness. Uh, let's see. We've got some from uh, Bad Wolves, Trapped. What did Trap dude say about Trap, this? Trap tweeted out, What happens when Trump beats this thing and has no symptoms, just like a few other people in his administration who took the hydro, uh, 
Zychloroquine slash z combo. Trump will say CDC is to blame for all the deaths while looking like Superman. Look what it did for Boris's popularity. Wow, thank you, Traft Frontman, for the worst take <laughs> I've heard on this whole thing. <laughs> Jeez, that guy sucks. Yeah, they suck. Well, um, he sucks, because it's just him. Yeah, yeah. Wait, could um, you say that Trump is headstrong and ready to take uh, yes. on anyone? <laughs> he absolutely is. Um, there's a bunch here. It's all cringe. It's all very cringe. You definitely get, uh, like, the out-of-touch boomer takes. Yeah. I will say, I, I saw him... Oh, what's his name? Uh, Polyphia guitarist. I, he, he pops up in my feed all the time. He had a pretty uh-huh. he had a pretty uh, edgy take on it that I agreed with. But was it? Now you gotta find it. I don't know. Because I want to hear it. And the world it. wants to hear it. I don't know. I, I, have a, I have a positive story I wanted to say. It's the last one I have. Alright, go for go for positive story. Riley Gale got a library named after him in Dallas. Woo! Yeah! yeah it's, like, it's like a little heartwarming, you know? That is actually pretty heartwarming. I didn't know that. Um, Hell yeah, Riley. Yeah. Rest in power, yeah. my dude. Literally, rest in power. Um, I have a not... Well, I, I think it's a good thing. It could arguably be a good thing um, to some. Um, the Atreyu vocalist... Got booted, right? Has got booted. For sexual assault uh, allegations? Yeah. Not good. It's almost like but, when uh, you do stuff like that, uh, I don't know, you get punished for it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, don't be shitty. Don't, don't, don't be, be shitty, shitty man. Respect other people's boundaries. Um, have you watched uh, the Mastodon cooking show? Mastodon cooking show is amazing. I agree. Um, Actually, I was re listening to Mastodon today because I watched the uh, Brent Hines one. <laughs> and I was like, wow, Mastodon are awesome. Yeah, like, they are. It's that This is another podcast topic, but, like, something about Mastodon, the band just does something so right for so much of an audience. Because it has such mainstream and, I guess, like, critical appeal. At least to me. Oh, I think mo- there's a reason why they're one of the biggest metal bands in the world. Yeah. Actually, Mastodon um, are... I, this is definitely another podcast topic because Mastodon are in this weird place where, like, they're giant. They're really big. But at the same time, yeah. they're not as big as you'd expect them to be. No, Like, yeah, they've like, never we saw them really at, surpassed we saw any them. of the... Uh, yeah, we saw them at the House of Blues. And that was a good show. Yeah. But they've never really surpassed any of, like, the new metal bands that came out just a little bit before yeah. them. And I, mm-hmm. Or even, like, Gojira and those bands. And you really think Mastodon would. You would think so. Especially with their newer albums, which are much more focused, at least in a popular sense. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's it's kind of weird. And I remember reading an interview with Brent Hines being like, yeah, man, we have to tour 24-7. Otherwise, like, to make a living because there's no money left in the music industry. And to hear fucking Brent Hines of Mastodon say that, that's sobering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Brent Hines, isn't there a new Killer Be Killed coming out, or that did come out? Brent Hines isn't in Killer Be Killed. I know. Troy Sanders What is. else? Troy Sanders isn't Killer Be Killed. This is going off the Mastodon topic, but I think there's a new Killer Be Killed album also coming out. Is Brent Hines in anything else? Maybe. I know he has a solo project. Okay. 
I don't know. This is kind of off topic, but like I'm 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 really curious at this point. No, yeah, I've never released a couple singles, and I'm pretty sure the album's coming out in a few months or within a couple months. It's coming out in November. Gotcha. Yeah, that should be. By the way, not a fan of Killer Be Killed. I mean, it's we just don't like that kind of music. Fair. It's like groove metal, right? Yeah, it's groove metal. It's groove metal with Max Cavalera, Greg Pucciato, ben Troy Kohler. Sanders, and Ben Kohler. Like, hello? That, like, that should be perfect. Yeah, honestly. If they were playing <laughs> any other style of heavy music, I'm sure it'd be great. Yeah. Very, uh, very strange. Well, uh, Do you know Nate Newton was actually in Killer Be Killed before Troy Sanders? Uh, you can't make this stuff yeah. up. <laughs> I'm, not make, I'm not making it up. Uh, do, you have, do you got any albums that are coming out soon? That we're excited albums for? that are coming out soon? Actually, this I Friday? think there are a few albums that... Actually, I'm looking at my list now. I don't have any... Like, I have a few albums, but none of them are, like, really sticking out to me. Yeah, it seems like October blew its load a little early. October definitely blew its load early. Um... I mean, if you haven't listened to the new Enslaved, like, it's probably worth your time if you like I don't know, that. man. AMG gave it a 2.5. I, yes, it probably should be. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't know, actually, of anything coming out. We're, for reference, for the listening public, we're recording this episode a little bit early, so we're not totally informed about what's coming out, um, I mean, this week on Friday. A while, but I, I really do think there isn't anything too big, at least in metal, coming out this Friday. Yeah, I, w- I agree with that. Um, there, I have a few. I mean, I have a few albums to name, like uh, "New Repuked," "New Empress," and "New Incinerate." If that, I don't know if any it tells of those you, bands. Yeah, I haven't heard any of those bands ever. So, <laughs> <laughs> if that tells you anything, uh, yeah. But they're coming out with stuff. Well, I'm I'm so. sure there'll be at least something really solid on Friday, as there is every Friday. And for all we know, some we missed something like two weeks ago that Invisible Oranges yeah, or Stereo oh, Gum. Actually, I've been meaning to listen to the new Toad Eater album. Uh, I've listened to it. It's pretty good. <laughs> Sounds about right. It's black metal. So. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good black metal. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. But I mean, other than that, I think I think that's it. I think that's it too. Um, well, I mean, yeah. How sh- I mean, how should we wrap up? I mean, we've kind of we've kind of gotten off topic a little bit, but yeah, that's, um, that's all part of the fun. True, true. I know voting's well, in a month, so that's exciting. Voting is in a month. Go vote. Um, yeah, I mean, COVID nineteen has done bad and good things, mostly bad, but some good. Uh, and yeah, stay tuned next week where we talk about how episode. Broken Side saved metal. Well, I don't know about that. But we will, <laughs> we will, we'll find out uh, next time. I and guess. Hopefully, this will be on the streaming services. Adam, we're figuring that out. <laughs> we're figuring it out. Oh, well, uh, I've been Sam, and I have been Adam. And uh, check us out next Thursday. This Thursday, next Thursday, end of time. Au revoir. <laughs>